Girls Podcast. This is Unhirable with White Karen and Go To Gay Tommy. So for a gram of the vape oil, which lasts me about a week and a half, it's 50. And then I usually get like a little cookie that's 10 on top of that. And then I tip them like 10 bucks on top. Oh, you tip. I do. I because I um because I can and I think, you know, I believe in I believe in a higher minimum wage and I believe that begins uh in terms they do, but like I doubt they get paid that a lot. This podcast just became evidence. This is a record. It's like immediately <laughs> Oh, it's like 100%, but only like uh, Joel, Joel, Joel Kim Boosters are. Is Hello. Our, our felonious guest admitting to buying drugs off the bat. And then Karen allegedly. admitting to selling them. Allegedly. <laughs> Not allegedly. Or working with somebody. Who? What does that mean? Were you a mule? Were you Maria? Were you Karen full of grace? So I used to stuff my asshole full of marijuana. <laughs> but just for fun. <laughs> I've been meaning to do that myself, actually. <laughs> <laughs> between kansas and oklahoma wait do I, those touch probably they should <laughs> that seems to make sense i'm dying to do like a, a weed suppository or something like that have you ever done any drug in your butt no not Karen, what drugs have you done in your butt in my butt um just just molly i'm not a crazy person <laughs> i didn't see the, i i think I'm I'm pro I would be prone to do coke up there. I'm not a, I'm I'm too old for that now. O- only because it's so expensive and it, you need so much of it and my sinuses are a disaster. But do you need do you need and your butt yeah yeah yeah. I haven't done coke in like almost a decade. Right, right. Have you ever done any of the gay drugs? Have you ever done meth? I haven't, but I want to. Just before you I turn to do 30, meth? just once to try it. Whoa. I I have done a couple of drugs that I don't know what they were. Um, what does that look like? <laughs> when I was in college, I was in Barcelona, and a man put a brown substance on top of a cigarette, and I smoked it. And I still there was a language barrier, and I don't know to this day what it was. An upper. I think it might have. Yeah, it it might have been either. I. Everybody thinks it was either heroin or like PCP. <laughs> well, did you feel like superhuman? I. I. It was hard because I was already on so many other drugs at the time. That's the other problem with because I did G recently, but I was also on coke and very stoned and very drunk. What is so G? It's like a horse tranquilizer. Right? It's like a quaalude. Yeah, so like, I like, like I basically just evened myself out because I did a bunch of coke and then some guy offered me G and I was like sure and then I just evened myself. Was out. it a play? Karen is currently she seems checked out. It's just because she's trying to buy drugs while this is going down. <laughs> I yeah. finally understand why this is called unhirable <laughs> because any. Any future employer could listen to this and just. Be. I invite them. I invite. <laughs> I invite my current employers to listen. I want them on the show. Please, by all means, do us a favor. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I mean, even when we're dead ass wrong, <laughs> <laughs> which happens. No fact checking. Occasionally. 
Okay, so let's get down to brass tacks. You and I got into a fight on Twitter. This is oh like my god! I knew you would bring this up, and I was sort of yeah, like, 100%. no, he wouldn't. What, Joel? Of course, I'm bringing it up because I want to. Well, this is what I want to talk about: is that it was over the Milo thing, and we've talked a lot about Milo yeah. on the show. And I courted full press, like hard, tried to get Chadwick Moore oh on the show. Like on Twitter was like very explicit about that's why I was connecting uh-huh. to him. That's why I wanted to talk to him. Uh-huh. There was nothing like underhand. I wanted to know what this guy. I was interested in Chadwick Moore as this figure of a gay guy who a year and a half ago, before he wrote this piece about Milo Yiannopoulos for Out Magazine. And I think it was like June of 2015. Yeah. Okay, so I w- this is the first thing I want to say. That came out, and you and I got into a fight because... I don't, I don't know if I would call it a fight. Come on. You got pretty cunty. Yeah, yeah. And, and you were very cunty, so I would say it was a fight. I was cunty, too. But both of us were cunty. But you were right, ultimately, which is like the most Well, see, I, I was actually going to come in here and say I was a little wrong. Well, maybe you were, but I you think, were ultimately right. I think I, was, I think I was... That he was sympathetic. This is yes. what you said. You were like, this guy clearly is sympathetic. They shouldn't have had this guy write this yes. puff piece on him. And I was like, or he was just like trying to like humanize him. But no, you were right. He like works for Milo now. You were 100% right. Well, and now we've got Mitchell Sunderland too. So is there a, is there room for three? Uh, or Mitchell Sunderland is the former Broadly editor who was in that has gone full alt right now is he is he no i don't know oh okay well no because do you know that that buzzfeed story that came out that was a dump about this email chain that milo was on and all of these like sort of like the uh, white supremacy like basically so mitch the the, the bright thing the, it was the whole Breitbart yeah it was the bright part thing White supremacy, but the the Reader's Digest uh, thing of the Mitchell Sunderland part of this is so he's the editor of Broadly, which is supposedly is Vice's like feminist arm, you it's know, their, their Jezebel, Jezebel. Uh, <laughs> and um, and just as annoying, and, yeah, <laughs> and just sort of and and as sort of craven and like clearly a, a grab at you know, it's it's. It's not, yeah, it's not really, it doesn't seem, it never felt very, because, wait, because I remember when Broadly first came out. You're better at this shit than I am, because you read, like, the internet. Yeah. I don't really. They got in, Broadly, when they even were first started, they, everyone was like, this doesn't feel very uh, authentic. It feels sort of like a, a craven grab at, 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 like, appealing to, obviously, what is the internet now, this segment of the internet. But anyways, so Mitchell Sunderland got in trouble because he's on this email chain with Milo and sent, and sent him this Lindy West article and was like, please humiliate this fat feminist. <laughs> and he runs Broadly. Um uh, so, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure you could because he, because he's doing nothing now. Uh, like he's gone si- totally silent on Twitter. He got fired from Broadly like almost immediately. Um, <laughs> well, we got to get him before he goes all right. Cause that's where these guys can go if they're dishonest, like Chadwick Moore. I think Chadwick Moore is a big fucking liar. He might believe the lie now. Because he was, like, posting about, but like, a year before everything with Milo happened, he was posting, like, happy birthday James Baldwin on Instagram. So you can't, within the space of a year, go from appreciating James Baldwin to being whatever the fuck he is now. I don't think it's about beliefs, though, with him. I think it's about wanting to be liked. 
I don't think it has well, that's anything. Psychotic. I don't think that's a no. I think yeah. I think he is a, a you know on that sort of sociopathy like spectrum if we want to call it that because I don't think the, this a switch like that doesn't happen that quickly and I think I don't think his liberalism was as authentic as. It, Obviously, it wasn't. It was performative. No, that's true. Like many people's liberalism is performative. Mine especially. Yes. I'm deeply Um, conservative. (laughs) But so, yeah, I don't think it has anything to do. I don't think it has anything to do with their actual like beliefs. I think it has everything to do with like seeing an opening for being like, oh, I could be liked and and sort of like wanting to be glad handed and faved online. The system's psychotic. That's what it's. Well, it's social media. It's like all of that that feedback loop of like wanting the approval of our peers on social media or some some you know gratification on social media. I think has changed the game. Like Lindy West. <laughs> no, I like Lindy West, actually. I think she's great. I'll go on the record. He's going to send an email about that, that feminist <laughs> later. Yeah. Well, you know what? I am like open season and not in a violent way, but just like open season on the rhetoric of white women and white feminists because I think that it's like crazy. I've been, I've experienced such negative treatment from white feminists who just are like doing i guess good work but missing the point i think in a lot of ways and willfully so i think the point is to end human suffering now that doesn't mean that all lives matter it means that like i do think that like with some feminists like i think i think that some movements that have grown out of the women's movement, for instance, the rape crisis movement, reject perpetrators as helpless, beyond help. But if you're going to administer services to survivors, m- a lot of perpetrators are survivors. So if you're actually engaged in ending rape culture, you have to engage rapists. So that's one failing, and I understand the roots of it because this was born of the women's movement. I've spent a little bit of my life working in that movement specifically, which is why I feel sort of comfortable talking about it. But I think that it's a problem, and I've raised this among some of my friends that I met who are still doing that work and doing it at much higher levels, and some of them really, one person has unfriended me, and one person is like, really engaged in like a dialogue there and i think that you know you need the radicals but also like relax everybody (laughs) i don't know i i mean i just think if we're gonna talk about this like the milos right you and i could have gotten into a real serious like it could not serious but you and i joel could have just not spoken after that yeah um and that's i think happened a lot of times with me and other people or any of us who we get into these little tiffs on social media and then it's like easier to just be like, all right, I'm going to ignore you. Well, and I think uh, that is a, for me, that situation. And the reason I even think about it 
it's because it happens so f- infrequently with me because it makes me so uncomfortable to do that kind of shit on social media. And I think we did take it to DM pretty quickly on Twitter because we didn't. It didn't play out fully in. Comments. No, we got cunty publicly. But we got cunty publicly, and then we DM'd. And yeah, because hello, we were friends. raised right, yes, or not exactly. Well, no, but my thing is, is it. that I, th- I, th- <laughs> I feel like I, I rarely see a productive conversation happen on social media in any circle because it is all, it's like it's scoring points and I'm not interested in that so often. And I think what you are talking about of just like taking the step back of like being like, okay, let's talk about things. Honestly, is impossible online now. And Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, it's all, Yo, I know. I am not looking forward to seeing Mara Wilson at some storytelling show at some point. <laughs> Do you have beef with Mara? Yeah, she like, jumped on me in Twi- on Facebook. Oh, boy. Hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. I And then I, I, I showed up. <laughs> yeah, of course I did. Screenshots and all after she tried to delete all her comments. I'm real cunty oh on social God. media. <coughs> I could. I don't know. I don't know. Aim high. <laughs> we are number one on the best comedy podcasts in Time Out New York. They just accidentally typoed it. You spelled Karen. They wrote Karen, but now it's Bex, and they also misspelled 11. So one. <laughs> As 11. But they meant one. <laughs> we tied with Sydney and Marie, <laughs> friends of the show. <laughs> You know what? (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. I I love Sydney and Marie. I showed up on Marie Faustin's radio show, which has like FCC. Is it FCC? Yeah. FCC rules they get to abide by. I did not know that. And I said asshole and shit. (laughs) And like everybody... This fat white feminist man walked into the room <laughs> and yelled at me to stop. <laughs> I just assumed he was a feminist because he had a ponytail. But <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize. <laughs> I can smell it. He's anyway, I don't know. But so you don't get into these types of fights? That's interesting to me because you're so opinionated on social media, Joel. Am I? Yes. I think I'm pretty... Uh, I don't. I don't know if I have a lot of hot takes. Maybe I've scaled it back since we first became friends on. Well, social. probably actually, because as you've gotten more notoriety, maybe you've just like. Yeah, I gotta. You know, I gotta play to both sides. I'm the Lauren Michaels of social justice warrior Twitter. But you are. Uh, you do speak in declarative sentences too. You're not as like expressly political as I think. But even with the Milo stuff, you were very political. That was. That like was yeah. That well. That that sort of. I I I like to. It depends on on the community that I'm speaking to in that, like I'll talk about, I'll talk to gay men a lot on Twitter about shit like that. Cause that about I think specifically, specifically, I think like I like to shit on out uh, specific. I think out is bad. I think, uh, but yeah. What I, do you think is bad about out? We just had an out editor. Who? On the show. Which one? Lester. Les Fabian. I don't know who that is. I just, I, I, I am frustrated with what g- the gay media like chooses to, pay attention to um 
in terms of like what if you like flip through a, a pages about like try and count the gay people and try and count the people of color and like because they do like Joe Jonas has been on the cover of out like more than you know some other deserving people and it's it's like one of these things of like you know they're selling a magazine which is a dying art form so I realize that Joe Jonas probably sells more issues than you know whatever you know dippy person of color trans rights activist person that I'm thinking of who should be on the cover but um, that's very I mean, I'm having an Alex Newell moment right now. Unique from Glee. He was uh, famously on the Glee Project first. The uh, oh was was reality TV'd yes, into the show. Was reality TV'd into the show. You know what? But that's okay. It's like a Jennifer <laughs> Hudson where you don't mind the reality TVing because they're so good. But but Alex Newell's about to be on Broadway. And what? Once on this island, playing a role that Lilius White played. It's Amazing. like really fabulous. It's Amazing. Like, which that means something to like the any faggot that's listening, any Broadway faggot that's listening right now. But like he's playing, and I believe he uses he pronouns. They're using he pronouns all over the marketing materials for that, that show. That show didn't handle that very well. The His trans storyline was deeply Wait, you're confusing. talking about Glee. Yeah. Oh, I'm talking about Once on this Island. I know, but I'm yes. saying... But... I, Alex Newell played a trans character named Unique on Glee and sang all these, like, diva women songs, but was, like, a trans woman. Explicitly on the show, On the show, but is a cis man who's just gender non-conforming in real life. Yes. So he, him... The narrative, I think, got Wears heels, in my brain. makeup... Super femme has like an amazing voice, but a voice still identifies really as a man. A voice that goes like crazy no. high. His voice goes so high, I can't even explain it. Like it goes as high as like a woman's voice yeah. does. Yes, yeah, it's amazing. His voice is insane. You should really, you should Google him singing "Mama Will Provide." Alex Newell. I saw him at a bar, and it was like a towny bar near NYU. It wasn't at a gay bar. And I was there for one of my straight friend's birthday parties. And I was like, is that fucking Alex Newell? <laughs> they must be rehearsing at like 440 Lafayette because it was like right around there or something. And I went up to him and I was like, I am so excited for you to be in What's <laughs> on this Island. I saw you sing, Mom. Yeah. yeah. And you know who you know who won that season? Who is Blake Jenner? Yeah, who Blake Jenner? Who was just like the hot straight white guy that they added onto the show? Yeah, who was in Everybody Wants Some, uh, the baseball college homoerotic movie? I haven't seen any teen movies like. Well, it was R- Richard Linklater, wasn't it? Like a teen movie. Oh, that's the like that's the follow up in to the seventies. Like, not follow-up, but, like, his, like, new teen movie yes, after yes. Days and Confused. Yes. Interesting. Is it set in Texas? Richard Linklater made an amazing movie called Dazed and Confused. Have you seen it? Richard Linklater is a di- film director. Film. <laughs> he got. He got. No, I had to stop because feminist. I realized I couldn't explain what film is. <laughs> Do you describe it as films? <laughs> 
<laughs> Moving pictures. It's what Disney makes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so sorry. Um, we saw Beauty and the Beast in theaters. In theaters. The live action one, of course. Waste. Oh, here's the here's oh. Puerto Rico, do you want to get into it? Still dying. I watched on on a plane recently. I watched the cartoon and then the live action back to back. Whoa, where I, were you going? L.A. Quit bragging. From L.A. Oh, okay. And Long I plane riding fancy ass. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I think the live action is do you better. Get the fuck Nope out. and let me listen. Musically Don't be a contrarian. No, I'm not even I am not a contrarian. Who I am is not this? a contrarian. I, I'm the farthest from a contrarian. Dan Stevens is better than Robbie Benson. I'm not saying musically I'm not saying musically it has it touches on anything, but I will say it improves it's it is as though because I watched the Was cartoon it the and Was I it the play like <laughs> Yes, I I watched the cartoon and the whole time I thought, what? You know, the plague is happening right now and they're not addressing it. And that no, I did not think that. I'm saying I watched the cartoon with a lot going in with a lot of nostalgia. I said, I think this is the best Disney cartoon. And then I watched it and I think the story has so like the plot is so bad and Belle is such a thinly sketched character. It's insane. I think um, what they did, they made Belle such a much more interesting character in the live action film. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They absolutely did. And there there are so many story like, What sold it? Was it when was it when they ruined her her genius laundry machine because she taught a girl yes. to read. She <laughs> was te- Listen, <laughs> hey, that gave me something to root for. Why are we rooting for Belle otherwise? That was She's an intellectual <laughs> elitist. <laughs> why do we, I don't understand? I did not understand watching the cartoon why I was supposed to be on Belle's side over the townspeople because they did nothing wrong. <laughs> and she could sing. And she could sing. Hello, do you have a problem with people that can sing? No. You are. I am. You're anti singing. No, I am. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, though. I would 100% fuck the beast from the live action before the one from the. All right. On a scale of one to seven, how many holes would you let the beast from the live action put it in? Pre and post trans. Well, oh, you have eight. I was going for seven. I would say. Oh, zero. Okay. Fine. I, yeah. I just say the you two. You define your own holes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Two. Two. I'd give him three. Karen. Uh, Are you buying drugs still? No, I'm taking these down. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's why you guys are number one, bitch. Plus, <laughs> we're so number one. We're so number one they wrote it twice <laughs> to emphasize the point. <laughs> yeah, uh, look out because we're literally coming for every single podcast that beat us. I mean, like, to be on their show. We're asking right. explicitly. I'm literally going after this podcast to record one of the podcasts that you no. that beat you. Yeah. Which one? Last Culturistas. Who? I don't know what that is. <laughs> Feud. Feud. I don't know her. <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, sounds good. <laughs> and this is Behind a Paywall on Patreon. <laughs> Bonus episode. <laughs> um, that's interesting. No, but okay. But way to make us feel like we need to step up our game. Are they in like a studio and shit? No, I have no idea. where. I think they're also in an apartment. We're recently in an apartment. 
Yeah. I think that's the the future of podcasting is happening in apartments. It is more comfy. Are we just going to podcast like as the like nuclear mushroom cloud comes toward us? Is that what our generation's becoming? Does every asshole have a Why don't you have a podcast? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh. Um are you are you starting a podcast? No. I don't have anything interesting to say uh week to week, I don't think. I I think that I think that I think that there are many great sitting and chatting podcasts as I'm in the presence of two great chatters um who number are chatting number one they wrote Number it twice. 1. Yeah, exactly. Uh but one I don't for think each of us. I don't think the world Needs it. Um, I just yes, yeah, exactly. I don't want to give it all away on a podcast every week. It's true, honestly. It's very difficult. You know what they describe me in that timeout thing as a queer storytelling pro. I haven't done a storytelling no. show in two years. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, I haven't done. How? One. What else? I don't know how else would you? That. How else would you like to de- to be described? In I don't case? know. It sounds like unfuckable to me. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like I should be like in a poly relationship that's like really supportive and loving, and we negotiate every single boundary as we encounter it, and it's like totally safe and supportive. But like, I'm asleep. It's like so, so. <laughs> I haven't done it. That's how we met, though. That's how I but actually, that's people. how I classify Tommy in my head. No, I met him through a storytelling podcast. And I'm uncharacterizable, but that is true. Kevin Allison was our guest last week. We I love, love Kevin. Kevin Allison. We talked about his. Yes, we talked about his Asian fetish, but I intentionally did not talk about you. <laughs> he does love Ke- he does love Joel. He does, and I love Kevin. Kevin's I do. Amazing. No, he's a he's Kevin a really is an open, a, amazing guy. He's very self aware, and I think he understands. He, yeah, he's self aware enough about it that he's he can joke about it, and I'm fine with Kevin and his proclivities <laughs> for me. Uh, but oh gosh. It is interesting to be sexualized by someone. Yeah, no, this is the best part about this is the best podcast I've recorded in a while because I'm laying fully prostrate like on the couch. It's the most comfortable I've ever been. Um, But that's interesting. Do you find that uh, as you like do comedy, do you find that there's like a thing between generations like are older men? quicker to sexualize you than like guys our age well, yeah oh for 30? sure i am almost 30 okay of Ooh. quickly how you doing with that how you doing with that sounds oh. like you have a few thoughts you know i panic every day um no i think i'm fine with it mostly because i look like 23 so i'll be okay I'm with 26 it. but yeah okay <laughs> how dare you <laughs> see have you seen the teens on cw <laughs> okay um <laughs> like to see your lighting and then uh yeah <laughs> no you do you look great i think uh i think yeah older men uh are really into asian men and i don't know I, I i can't quite pinpoint why 
You know, I think for me right now, I'm. Well, I want one of two things. I want give me like a swarthy Middle Eastern Italian Greek guy in a full Adidas. Get the fuck out of uh, my playground. <laughs> in a full Adidas tracksuit, raised in Queens. Okay, all right. Well. Um, and, or on the other side of that, like a a nice like boy from Ohio who is a golden retriever made into a man. You know, um, oh. the last guy I dated was that. And he was from Michigan and was 6'3 and very sturdy and is now is on Broadway and was just a sweet boy who had a dog's personality. And um, yeah, <laughs> like a good dog. Yes. A bad dog. Like a nice, simple boy. I know. OK, got it. I sound shady right now, but I'm not. I mean, he is genuinely. You like always a very sound nice a little shady. <laughs> <laughs> Can we be honest about that? <laughs> <laughs> but you have that sweet face so it's like it doesn't seem I can sell shady it, yeah. yeah yeah it's like <gasps> i like those boots though are they doc martens they are they're little docs oh, they're like old school i haven't seen those in a minute they look so good but they look new they're they're just well they're are well they taken patent care leather? no they no, look gorgeous they, they look are. like you actually condition that leather yeah. do you mm-hmm yeah, you can tell it's like shiny. It's got a luster. It does. It makes them look like Stephen Allen. That's who I thought that they were. I thought they were like the like fancy version, but then I saw the yellow stitching and re- these and the tags. tag in the yeah, back. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like them. I like shoes, but you know my docs that I have are like actually patent leather. They're way too shiny and they're maroon. I know. Like an 11. No. God, I'm not letting... Karen likes to borrow things and then never give them back. It's so irritating. How much thing? How much could you borrow from him? It's like a gauzy cardigan. It's a summer cardigan. A duster, I think is what those are called. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's mine. And it's like... Per- it looks like a dress on you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what are you what's your comedy like now? As you've gotten more as you've gotten uh it's like 7 years, 7 or 8 years. You maybe. started where in Chicago? In Chicago. Doing yeah, comedy. In 2011. No, I started at Lisa Traeger. Yes, very good friend uh early like one of the only nice people in Chicago to me when I was starting ooh, out in ooh, comedy. Ooh. Who are the cunts? Who are the cunts? I'm there uh there I can't like I don't they're all nobodies now, so it doesn't seem worth like talking about. But uh yes, I Mateo was also a very good friend of mine in Chicago, also very kind to me as we were uh coming up. Um he no, I I start I went to I moved to Chicago cuz uh, a play I was I wrote was getting produced and I wanted to be a playwright in Chicago and make storefront theater. And I did that for many years for four, uh, four years in Chicago. And I started doing stand up sort of on the side because I was very frustrated with that world and then moved. Why were you frustrated with that world? Uh, because it, I, I never thought I would get paid well enough to make it a career. And I was very, uh, stressed out about the sort of the eventuality of like where is this going like where will this take me will I be able to write for television someday which is was always sort of the goal for me and also I was acting a lot and like early days like acting in like little tiny storefront shows was great because 
when you're not getting paid very well and the, the companies are new, you can get cast in everything. I played like a soldier and a, an accountant with autism and a boy on roller. You know, I played everything. And then as I started being successful as an actor in Chicago in the theater scene, I was getting less and less interesting roles um, because the more you get paid, the more it's like you're a Mary Zimmerman puppet uh, in her production of White Snake. Oh, that's exciting, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. You got to work with her. Uh, I turned it down because I was moving here, oh. but um, or it, it was just like uninteresting to me, and that's why I started doing stand up. But the thing with stand up is, is it is sort of like a full time job unto itself, and you have there's so much about like I the reason people didn't like me in the stand up scene in Chicago is because I didn't know when I was starting out how to do it properly. And so I didn't go to open mics. I would just get booked on shows and I would just like try out new material on these like weird random shows. And I wouldn't hang out enough. Like people were like, why are you on this show at the laugh factory? If you've never hung out at a, at a dingy bar, like I didn't people, people, yeah, people, people thought I was a line cutter uh, because, and so I got a lot of attitude from that. No, because you're, I mean, there is, and there isn't like, Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I will say, like, like speed skating. I moved to New York, and I did b- primarily just so that I could like hit the reset button and do it, quote unquote, right, and just like hit the ground running, doing three open mics a night, like I was, quote unquote, supposed to do in Chicago, and it made me a better comic. It did make me a better comic ultimately. Um, oh, all over, mostly bars, and I, tr- I tour a lot more now since i did like is this your primary gig now is doing stand-up yes how long has that been the case a year and a half maybe oh shit that's like really a good hustle yeah uh it's it's like a little scary sometimes and it's not at all glamorous you know because it's like playing boise and playing phoenix yeah but isn't boise supposed to be pretty cool Mm. Ooh. Maybe it is. I had a lovely time in Boise. The audience. I I went there for a festival that was put on. That was produced by a friend, and it was a great experience in that way. But Boise, I would not say is that fun of a town. And I also Idaho has like the second most uh, insane uh, anti marijuana laws in the country. You can get you could spend up to a year in jail just for being stoned in public. If yeah. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. It's sec- it's what second only then? to Alabama, um, and it's like I don't I don't know what the deal. Idaho is so strange because it's not the Midwest and it's not the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, what and is it's it? Like, it's like right under Montana. It's sort of its own thing. It's like it's it's sort of more like can, close closer to Utah actually than anything else because it has a, a high Mormon population as well. Um, uh, it's blondie. It is very blonde. Yeah. When I think about it, <coughs> I met a Mormon guy who we called Spud when I was on the big red boat. I'm just having this memory with all my Did friends. Did you fuck? But we called him Spud because he was from Idaho. See, there you go. Yeah. No. You oh. seem like the kind of person who's fucked a Mormon or two, though. I. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I actually have. I fucked a Mormon Air Force pilot in Warsaw it, last summer. What's up, Mark? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. No, I've, I've slept with a couple of Mormons. Yeah. What's up, Mark? <laughs> Air Force I, pilot. <laughs> like every other person who grew up watching HBO's Angels in America miniseries, have always dreamed of fucking a Mormon, but haven't no. yet. All right. So now, since you're a theater fag, do you like 
Angels in America. I do. And I know that you have, I don't know exactly what your take on it is, but I know that you aren't so much into it. How do you know this? From, I. Are you friends with me or the other guy that I got? I can't remember. All I remember is like sort of vaguely scrolling past (laughs) an internet spat um, that you had with somebody about Angels in America. And I I didn't. Yeah, this guy and I got. I didn't have the energy. About Angels in America at two in the morning. Was it on Grindr? Yes. You were talking about it. That's why. Because I I didn't see. I don't know if you posted screenshots or not, but I didn't see what your exact points were. Yeah. But I just knew that you. I was actually not. They're not my points. I was quoting friend of the show Sarah Shulman who says that it tells a lie which is that gay people abandoned other gay people during the AIDS crisis and that straight families came to save the day and actually the truth of the crisis is the opposite that straight family members abandoned their gay family members who were dying of AIDS and other gay people came in and filled that void so like Hannah Pitt the mother of Joe Pitt the Mormon gay guy who doesn't have AIDS but is fucking around with guys comes in and saves this other guy at the end from dying of AIDS. Wow. You know what? I hate angels in America now. Isn't that true though? Isn't that when you hear that, I, that you, way, when I hear it framed that way, it really does. But I, I would, my, I'm telling you, Sarah, my, Shulman, that's a game changer for people that like that play. Cause I like that play, but then I look at it and I'm like, I yeah, do, that isn't what I happened. do like that play. And I think that maybe we have to not frame it as, that as a gay story. A gay fantasia I think it's on national themes. It's in he wants it to be that. <laughs> <laughs> and AIDS is over. Straight people had to be somewhere around that decision. <laughs> yeah, but AIDS is not over. That, so I've been we doing just lost stuff. Yeah. Ooh. I'm I was just gonna say that it's not over and we just you know that we lost somebody in the theater community here too. I've worked with him for the last three years pretty closely. I produced a concert of the cast album of his that just got released in February. Like I know this guy well. And to talk about his death, I mean, I'm, I didn't know him intimately and I didn't know him personally, but I knew him professionally pretty well. He interviewed my brother as a potential Trump voter when he was doing his Michael Friedman, who is who we're talking about. When he was doing I don't know his. why I didn't say his name as though it would be disrespectful to me. Well, name it's just him. crazy because I see a lot of people writing stuff about his death on social media now. And I think that the community response to his death is uh, interesting. I mean, I'm going to spend a lot of the next year working with the ACT UP Oral History Project. And I'm thinking a lot about AIDS. But like that happened. And I have now heard of two other guys, prominent guys. One, a theater guy in Boston. There's an article in the Boston Globe maybe today. I forget the guy's name, Thomas something. He was like one of the founding members of the ART, which is a really big regional theater in the country. It was like the experimental theater company in the United States for a while. And they brought in like all the great experimental theater makers from Europe. And like this guy really did a lot of work. And he was on Broadway in a play once. And he died, I read, in this article that just came out today because his immune system was compromised of a respiratory infection. Michael died because he had AIDS. Like we know that, that his family said that from the start, he died because of complications from HIV AIDS, which means he died because he had AIDS and he had Kaposi sarcoma on the lungs. So I heard somebody say, this is just one thing. My best friend is an epidemiologist and I don't know what you're seeing in being a gay man, but 
I think that there's a lot of meth use that's happening, and I don't know if that's what Michael's issue was. I don't know if that's what this other guy's issue was, and I don't know. There was another chef in the West Village who died of that's wild. Stuff. I don't. And see, I don't know if that was HIV. I don't know. I don't know if I know a single gay man who has done meth, let alone like I. It's just so beyond. It might no, be a generational thing, but I don't think it is. I think it's a. I think it's a person that does meth knows other people that do meth. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, it, it's just you outside normalize of my community. that behavior. It does feel to I get and like this is my, this is an ignorant statement and I ad- fully admit that but it feels so like of the nineties it doesn't feel like but meth, it's not it's happening regularly. like meth feels just like something that I can joke about doing once and not. Yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, and maybe some of that is like Hollywood. Maybe that is like Wolf of Wall Street. You did G, a horse tranquilizer. I've never heard of it. But the last time I saw something like that was Quaaludes and Wolf of Wall Street. And I was like, I would do a Quaalude. That looks like kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. Maybe that's what I did. K. K. Oh, I've heard of a K hole. Yeah. Okay. That's what I did. Interesting. I don't know. I just went. I just went home with a guy that I shouldn't have gone home with, but I remember doing it. Mm. So that's less problematic, I suppose. But but G, I think, is the same thing. G is G is another drug that makes you sleepy, which I don't see that. I don't. No, I'm an upper. I'm an upper. GHB. I, liked, yeah, I, I, prefer, liked, I need like, an upper, too. Uh, what's the Adderall I always enjoyed? A little Adderall. Oh, it's the best. If you're going to do a drug, like, why are you going to do... I mean, marijuana is one thing, but if... Like, why are you going to take a pill that's either going to make you forget if you drink with it or, like, make you just, like, jello? Yeah, no, I don't have the... I don't have the kind of, like, shame uh, receptors necessary to need to forget the kind of gross things that I do at night. But I don't know what, like, meth Um, does for somebody. Like, I think it's an extreme upper. Oh, no, I completely understand why meth... uh, but I've never fucked on. I a, I I, I am actually nervous, having seen many documentaries about meth. About I joke about wanting to try meth once or twice, but my self esteem is so fucking low that I could imagine feeling amazing, to having like finally feeling like good about myself, and then wanting to have sex. Yeah. Right. I feel in control on on Molly. Like I can do it like oh, no, no, four no. times a year, but Ooh, depression. Well, I used to do Molly once a week in college for like a full semester I remember I did that and I never felt the come down in the way that I do now like now I have to take 5-HTP before I go to bed or I will have like a weeks long uh, depressive cycle oh it works for me and also like forcing myself to go to the gym helps a lot and, and also like making sure that I'm 
if I take it like in like I have cycles and if as, as long as I take it sort of at the tail end of a manic episode, I'm pretty safe. <laughs> are you like medicated or are uh, you not just, anymore? Like, no. That's interesting. See, that would scare me is to like fuck with brain chemistry. It does. That's why I only do it like on special occasions now. I prefer I prefer uh, like to take an entire edible and then take an Adderall. And that's sort of a Molly approximation for me now. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> that's like, a fun idea. Yeah. Let's do it. It's like all the fucking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the title of the episode. <laughs> That's really funny. No, I don't know. But I think it's interesting because like everybody has a really cavalier attitude about drugs. But then like when it comes to meth, people get really pearl clutchy. But then at the same time in New York City, like nationally, it's black women who are contracting HIV at higher rates than anybody else. But then in New York City, it's still gay men. So I don't know what that is about. I, well, I think that we're like we're like a slight generation apart. I don't know how old you are. Okay, how so we're sort dare of you. <laughs> I am barely a day over 30. I'm almost 35. <laughs> and and but I I do think and it's you weird. You can call me dad for the I rest of the podcast. It's thank cool. you daddy. Um, <laughs> I said dad. <laughs> okay, dad. Uh, pop. Um it is so weird cuz the guys I think your generation specifically in the, like the 34 to 36 range and this is this AIDS. is we're all AIDS babies. We were born with AIDS 34 to 36. Because and, and this is the thing is that if you see, and this is all this is not data that like that I've and read studies you're about. A couple, you're but a few years I'll say this Joel. like on uh on <laughs> exactly. On dating apps like only the only people who care about like marijuana as a drug are people in your age range, and I don't know why that is. Like, and I, I, I really, yeah, because everybody my age, even if they're not smoking weed, at least in New York, doesn't give a shit. Like, I it's I find it hard to find somebody who is a like a full yeah, blown, I'm in my like, age range prime millennial who cares. I know you don't, but, and I'm saying I'm not saying that all of you do, but I'm saying the people that do have like weird like sort of s- very square like. Uh, just say no sort of attitudes like complete it like com- like totally no drugs at all like think marijuana is a degenerate uh, like drug are in that age range specifically and then it sort of goes away yeah exactly that's the whole um, ethos of our show but like <laughs> everybody degenerate with us everybody so. like prime millennials don't care i feel like because we missed that like Nancy Reagan like moment of anti drug. That's an interesting like, thing. That's true because just say no was dare was a thing in my childhood. Like I remember dare and I remember just say but no. But by the time but by the time yeah, but by the time we got to high school, do you remember dare in high school? Because I don't No, I guess yeah, not really. See, and that's the thing is I think that I mean listen, I'm not in my forties. Just say no was in the eighties. <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> I graduated high school in 2002. <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm fine about my age, guys. It's cool. <laughs> oh, being gay is so brutal about that shit. Oh, shut up. You're a white woman. You have nothing to complain about. You're the biggest cunts to wait on. I still bartend two nights a week, and whenever a white woman comes in, I'm like... Unless she's like a dyke, and then it's like, all right, cool. But like, if like a pretty young white woman comes in, I'm just like, Ugh. 
Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. You're going to say it in the cuntiest possible way and avoid eye contact. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want a peanut grigia. I don't have that. Here, try oh, this. God. I don't like it. I want something like peanut grigia. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm very young. What? Dough donuts? Do I Does look he look like, like it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I do. I feel very bad about my body every day, so I have to because I'm gay. Because I'm gay, and I'm. Uh, Is I'm that true though. I feel pretty good about my body, to be honest. The more uh, you work out, don't you? You're feel good? white. Um, yeah, don't you're white me? I grew up fat. I grew up chubby. Oh no! no he I said, said he you're said white. You're white, Tommy. Do you really? No. Do you really want to talk about our? Within the gay community, do you think I do well as an Asian person? No, all right. I understand that, but I I completely reject anybody telling me because I'm white, I I feel better about my body. I feel better about my body. No, no, no. Because I've spent the last two years since my breakup where I was body shamed in a relationship. Thank you for noticing. Wait, he he body shamed you? white. That's not because I'm white, Joel. That's that's reductive, and I, I don't agree with that. But tell me why he you was think just you're right. screaming about white women a second ago. By the way, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also fair. <laughs> and white women are worse than no. White you, I, we are graded <laughs> on a. We are graded on a. This is a terrible analogy, and it's please know that I know what I'm doing, but it is. If I were to have a gay Asian son, I would have to sit them down and have this a conversation of you have to look twice as good to have a guy that is half as hot um, as an Asian person. In but that's community. because that's how you approach it is on a hot list. Like you're approaching it on a hotness level, which I get that's how the apps work. Yeah. But that's about you. If you're talking about working to get somebody who's hot, that's your intention and in looking for a mate. Like that's not about I get it. That That is the case. Like, All right. So if that's your intention, I get it. But I don't, that's not my intention. Like to talk about somebody's like body shame issues being rooted in their like race, I disagree. with I'm that. not talking about it being rooted in your race. You I'm said saying it's that I'm white. I'm saying that you pro- that I think you can feel better about your body vis-a-vis like in connection with how much sex you can get within our community. Okay, well maybe that's based fair. on the are the racial disparities. Okay, I think that that's probably true. I think that's true. The apps are like explicitly racist. And we talked about this with Kevin Allison. I think it's cuz they're rooted the first apps were kink apps where people were really explicit about what they wanted. And it wasn't just about like identity. But now that it's like mainstream, it is all about identity. It's not just about It's like, weird. And let me be clear, I'm not saying that white people can't feel ashamed of their bodies. I think most white people should feel shame about their bodies, but I hear what you're saying. I do. I really like I think that I disagree that like it's cuz I'm white that I feel good about no, my no, body. No. You know that I was mostly I was not being that serious and you do look great. Thank you. You can see Again for noticing. Listeners, you can see his entire package outlined in his cargo pants well, right now. But that's another thing. Like, I'm Irish. Like, there's, like, a thing. No, I'm not even kidding. Like, there's a whole thing about, like, Irish guys having a small dick. So, like... Is there? I've never heard that. Are you are you literally serious? You've never heard of the I've Irish curse? I've never heard that. I've All right. Well, that's... That. I don't know what and to I tell think, you. And I think... that's, like, a very well-known... The Irish curse is, like, a thing. That's crazy. There's, li- there's literally a play called The Irish Curse about that. So, anyway, my point being, like... I, I do think that the apps are crazy, but I think that the apps are really psychotic in general. Yeah, no, no, no. 
that makes me feel insane. I should get off them. I mean, I'm still on them, but like exactly. No, I haven't fucked in four months. I, I have started to kind of. I have started. I think like I'm healthier. I treat them in a more healthy way now than I do. It, only because uh, like a year and a half, two years ago, I if I was horny, I would sort of be like, okay, what are my options? Who's coming? Who's who's like offering themselves up to me? And I would have. I've had sex. I would say about sixty percent of the men that I've had sex with over my lifetime, uh, I'm not attracted to, and. Now I think that it's changed. Like I truly won't settle for someone that I am not attracted to just for the sake of having sex anymore. And I think that is a, a more positive like sort of development in my life. But it does. Now my frequency is like maybe like two guys a month. Whereas before it would be like twice a week. I think he's, that, a, he's a prude in gay. Yeah. I think I'm twice a month. Yeah. I would say that's pretty. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for for a New York person who is actively seeking sex, that's very low. <laughs> I think twice. And a do, month. but do you think that the, the number is low? Okay, so I see what you're saying. I mean, I don't know what kind of quality dick you think I'm getting, but I've had to like really think about that. Like, am I like are guys even speaking to me just because I'm white? And when I realized that turn has happened with the guy where like he wouldn't be talking to me, it is it is always like a real big turn off. But I don't necessarily experience like I never experience anybody saying I'm not going to talk to you because you're white. More I experience guys. It's not about race where I experience that is about body where I experience that is about like sending a picture and like not having the abs or not having the chest and then just getting stone silence. That's more the way that like I experience or sending a dick pic and then just getting brutal silence. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's an insane. That's what that is. But all my non-white friends say exactly what you're saying right now. It's not like what you're saying is new to me. It annoys me, but it probably annoys me because I don't want it to be true on some level. Well, probably because what you're, it, I'm not. I think that it can be framed in a way that diminishes your experience and your frustrations because those are very real things. I like, know, and it always annoys me I when did, people do that about gay shit. So now that I'm doing it about white shit, I really get it. Yeah, but I still am annoyed. And I don't. Yeah, and I, as your friend, and on like a, a one-to-one level, like I can commiserate with you and f- and like sympathize with you. Totally. But on a sort of macro level, I don't think your problems compare to mine at all. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I know. I mean, you don't know me, but it's okay. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's cool. (laughs) You don't know what I survived in my childhood, but it's cool. (laughs) Horrible abuse, but yeah. Horrible abuse. President of the Republican Club. Were those correlated? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, but no, I do. I do. I do. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because it's difficult to have a conversation about systemic oppression as a white person and not and indulge the instinct to get defensive. Yeah. Well, like I think it's everybody really, really difficult as a white person to do that. Gay guys do that when we talk about feminism, like misogyny within the gay community. And it's just that idea. I think we're all jockeying it's for not me. who can be the victim in any certain situation. Because I think there is, and going back to social media, I think there's power in taking that position of the victim. oppressed, of being it's the victim. We have collective Munchausens in a way. Yeah. Totally. You're right. 
But, and I, I'll say this, I think this is a talking point of the right, and I think, though, it only works... You can that, just say that, my people, Joel. The cool. of, <laughs> I, I think that like the power that we're talking about only exists online. It only exists in an online spaces. When you take that out, if their social media didn't exist, none of us, none but of this would translate. be happening. It does translate. In what ways, though? Job opportunities, because if you get enough followers, then you can monetize that. I mean, I think that... You can get your work produced if you have enough followers now. I mean, it's really changing industries. It's like the stories we're getting are from people who have enough followers, not necessarily who are the best storytellers. Right, yeah. No, it's uh, like YouTube. We saw that with YouTube. We see that with like Vine stars. So that's where I think the power is. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think that like be like I think that we we see people like who are, you know, jockeying for like the biggest quote-unquote victim online and it seems like a very powerful position to take on twitter when when you can have that position but i think if you take that away and you look at like the actual brass tacks mm. of existing in this world as an oppressed minority it's not that like outside of social media you don't hold that much power well, now you do. Ugh. Well, it's also like interesting. To we we too. we. Th- I thought we were rid of you. I thought you were guys were fully white, and now here we are back at this place where Jews are suddenly. <laughs> 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 oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> we have it. It's Donald Trump. <laughs> well, for some of you, it is, <laughs> and that's the intention, right? Isn't that the intention makes. A genocide more than the numbers. It's eggs to keep going down and down and down. It's Cronesy egg buried inside another egg and another egg. <laughs> A scoliosis Crohn's disease riddled egg. Karen was a raisin. Her egg was cracked and it was a raisin. It wasn't an egg. <laughs> yeah. Um, my family did all right. You know, they were like criminal Irish people in Boston, so I can't really complain. Um, you know, I don't know anything about my family. <laughs> right. and you so win, Joel. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have two minutes. Tell us everything. <laughs> <laughs> Finally just getting into it. No, I don't know shit. I was born in Korea. I was probably either A, she wasn't married, or B, they already had too many kids. And I'm very not super curious about it, except for I might do like a 23andMe thing because I do get sick a lot. And then my doctor is like, I've gotten shingles three times. Um, wow. And my doctor's like, this is not normal. What's going on? Is what's going on in your family history? Like they always bring up. They're like, it seems like you have a, co- a compromised immune system, and that always freaks me out. But I'm completely normal from what they can see. But they're like, we need to know, like f- familial. Oh, we like, both have autoimmune on. conditions. Um, I have psoriasis. Karen has Crohn's. Wow. So you might have something. You could be autoimmune. Does asthma count? Is that a thing? Oh, that's right. You do have asthma. Yeah. I remember that. That was like part of your thing. It was like part of a story you told at one point. I remember you talking about it. Yeah, that makes sense. So I always thought of you as like an asthma person, but also maybe because my sister did. Ooh, do you have a nebulizer? I you can like bust do. Out. You know what? There's a fetish. For, there's somebody who's into that somewhere. And her name is Kevin one. Allison, <laughs> 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 friend of the show, and Joel. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, we, we haven't even smoked pot in this episode. So, all right. So we do a like little rapid fired word association thing at the Great. end of the episode. I Who's feel like that's what this entire episode has been for. Great. I know. <laughs> okay. Who's more racist, me or Karen? Go. Karen. Oh, good. Correct. I Jew. don't know. Jew, 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 Jew. That's why. Yeah. Also, I would never have guessed you're Jewish because you're giving me pale blonde, like, master race. And she had a nose job when she was 19. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I don't believe she doesn't have. A, I, I I don't believe it. Her nose was enormous in high school. Did you really get a nose job? You just your face kept caught up with your nose. <laughs> I would have guessed Polish for you, if. But I. Yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. potatoey, actually. They eat a lot of potato. All right, go, go, go. You do a rapid. Okay, great. Noodle. Yeah. Italian. Hair. Queen. Great. Meth. Drug. That's boring. It's quick, though. What? Wait, what? Uh, friction. Oh, condoms. Yes. Yes. Oh. Prep taken is a suppository. What? <laughs> <gasps> Didn't realize was an option. No. <laughs> Favorite gay comic. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, Cola Scola. She knows no gay people. That's it's like crazy. actually, I know it's really outrageous. Yeah, well, let's step up your game. <laughs> I'm number one, plus ten. <laughs> Bad. White gays. White gays. Um, a hot. Oh, okay. Like the oppressor. I get mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. I know what you mean. Bad. Ooh, Trump. Bad. Oh, I need to be better at this. Oh, no. Wait. Rocket. Ooh, Elton John. Lion. Ooh. Squish. Have you seen the new Jonathan Groff show on Netflix where he plays a a heterosexual uh, FBI agent who enjoys having vagina sex? What? It's really crazy to watch. Good for him, though. I mean. Yeah, but you remember that article everyone lost their minds about where the guy was like, I don't buy these gay actors playing straight people. I didn't buy it with Neil Patrick Harris. I don't buy it with Jonathan Groff. Who said some gay guy wrote this article where he's like, I'm sorry, they're like faggy voices, just like Oof. I don't buy it. He didn't use those words. Those are mine. That's my <laughs> that's my paraphrasing. But then I but then I was watching I remember reading it and I was like, I don't either. 
But everyone was losing their minds and they're like, you were putting gay men in a box. Well, yesterday I'm watching this show and Jonathan Groff is literally checking out this woman's ass. You have to watch him check out the woman's ass. It's the most amazing. It's like he's looking to see if there's a mouse behind the garbage can before he takes the I think that's out. a Groff issue, though, more so than it is. All right. Is. Well, so who's a good gay actor that plays straight? Bomber. I disagree. I disagree. I think he's gay, gay, gay. Yeah, I think that's the issue, is that... But Chris Pine is another one. I, I just feel like that's like a gay guy. He's maybe not a gay guy, but like... I don't think he's... I, he might be a straight-o, but I get a gayish vibe off him. So for me, it's just difficult, and I get a gayish vibe off Bomer. I, d- I don't know anyone that does it well. Cary Grant? Uh, Cheyenne Jackson it, it does a passable job at it, I think, in certain contexts. I've only seen him on Broadway, so it's hard to tell. Oh, Colby Keller? Oh, yeah. You hate him because he's a Trump voter. He announced that he was voting for Trump on our show, and then we didn't get... We didn't get the shout out when that fucking You didn't get white any press woman. from that? No. Oh, that's See, that's a real guy. Go- and he won't shame. come back on the show either. Why? Because because of that. Cuz that happened as a result of him being Yeah, on the I show. don't remember. I remember reading a bunch of stuff about that and I don't remember your guys' name. Nobody being mentioned, mentioned this once and he will, and we're being punished. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's gay. Well, he'll regret. It. He'll read. The, he'll erasure. pick up the, the Time Out New York today, and he'll rue the day. Rue it. Number one. But he forsook you twice. They wrote it twice to emphasize it. One. One. We're number one. All right, Joel. Joel. Um, of the two podcasts that you're gonna do today, which one is your favorite? This one, or I'm sorry, what was the name of the Las other one? Culturistas. What? I don't know who. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's gonna be. Unhirable. Wow. Oh. Oh. Did you see that? How How long did it take you to remember? The, were you nervous you weren't going to say the right name of the no. show? No. Yeah, you were. No. Don't lie to my face. Karen Margolis. K with an A. K A R E N. Okay. So at Karen Margolis, I'm at Tommy O'Malley. What are you, Joel? I hate Joel Kim. No, you don't. I hate Joel Kim. Why? All right, can we talk about that? Because I've often wondered about your name. Um, I think it's funny, and it's it also is funny, but I know, but it makes me sad. Yeah, I know, but hate. Ugh. I know. What about I love Joel Kim? Um, oh, I wanted. To, I also wanted to get ahead of the haters. You know, I wanted to get in it. In well, it. you have way more to deal with than I do because <laughs> I'm white. <laughs> so, <laughs> this has been a really fun episode. Yeah, I feel like I haven't. I feel like I've said a lot of deeply problematic things and have not been able to swing around and save myself that's from our them. entire exactly. That's and I feel want. like you got, I feel like it, oh, this whole thing has just been an exercise in you disorienting me, uh, to, so that I can't just like a sort of a pincer. You're coming at me from both sides, so I can't um, get it all out. Which was so great. You're so welcome. No, I I, I feel great. I feel great about this our experience. Our is having people come on that will never come on again. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like what I said in this podcast that will be my Colby Keller and voting for Trump moment that will that you guys will not get credit for. Oh, openly. Yeah. 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 I knew what I was walking. Into. Okay, good. I, I hope to give you the controversy that you need to. Yeah. When does this come You've out? You've been on Conan. What's what's the next level? Is it? 
is it well my sound? special coming out well yeah you, know? you do have a special yeah, yeah, talk yeah. about it it's coming out on october 20th i don't know when does this come out on comedy central on yes. the app on the app the next day yeah cool yeah what time's it on midnight you know yeah, prime time you nasty prime time Thank how you. much stress was it thinking about how your arms, how your body was going to look oh, on camera? A, uh, a terrible amount of stress. And I regret the outfit that I'm wearing. Ooh, what did you wear? Um, what did you wear? I actually, I love the shirt that I'm how wearing. Tight? It's, it's all too tight. And mm. now everything, as soon as I filmed it, everything trended baggy. And uh, it's, I feel like it will be, it's a mistake. It's all a mistake. But thank you so much, Karen. I'll be the judge. October of that. 20th. On Twitter. At midnight. And then my album comes out on November 3rd. Two weeks after that. You can pre-order starting on October 20th. On Model Minority. Ooh, because you're a model and a minority. Exactly. Exactly. Ah, it works. Well, this was so fun. Thanks for coming on and uh, yelling at us. This was really fun. I hope so, too. Bye.